What's up, guys? Welcome into College Football Uncensored. Uh, it's our weekly show uh, about college football and all sorts of nonsense. I'm your host, Chris Marler. I'm joined by my good friend, Tyler Huck. Tyler, how are you, man? Well, I'm not fresh off a of fine bomb appearance like you, so... That did happen. Uh, you know, can we talk about this for a second? Like, big moment for me. Got to be on fine bomb. It got to be but, like, a, like an actual FaceTime with fine Big bomb. moment for the pod, really. Yeah, true. Um, however, wh- why... What was the first thing? Why did he bring up my weight, first and foremost? <laughs> Is it something you guys have discussed in the past or? No, no, it's not. He's like, you look, you're looking as felt as always. And I was like, you, right? I probably shouldn't say that. Um, yeah. And I don't really mean it, obviously, but it's like, right. dude, like, like, we're not like, we're, you don't, you don't know me when I was pretty, Paul. You didn't know me in 2015 when I was like a, a sleek 210 and just crushing things. Life, <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was like, it really almost threw me off the entire rest of the interview. Cause I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know how to respond to that. And then, and then if you look at the video, like Allie was, was telling me afterwards, she was like, why are you so hunched over like this? Why are your shoulders up? And I was like, cause I was trying to get an angle to look just, skinny and it didn't just, work. Just game ready. That's really what it is. Yeah. Just game ready. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's always fun doing 15 minutes in front of the biggest name in SEC football media. And then, um, plugging the new podcast and going over all that sort of fun stuff um, and just being totally mind fucked the entire time about your weight. So that was cool, <laughs> but it was fun. Awesome. It, was, it was really fun to be on there. So yeah, we're in uh, I guess let's just, well, you got some updates on the stickers, I think, right? Yeah. So um, we are in our own feed now we took the training wheels off all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, we're still doing uh, the two podcasts like we've talked about every week uh, in the offseason. So we have the SDS pod uh, with Connor and Will, and then we'll have the Cultural Uncensored pod. So, but from now on, you will not be able to find our podcast in that feed anymore. It's on its own feed, Cultural Uncensored. Make sure you go like and subscribe. Um, I don't think you can like it on iTunes. I think you should have to subscribe. So yeah. subscribe, hit a little five-star review in there. Um, and for those of you that do, good news. I know you guys love stickers. It's like crack to you people. I don't know why. Um, but we've got a whole brand new slew of stickers that should be arriving. We check my watch March 1st from that next day shipping that I got on February 16th uh, and should be in tomorrow. So we'll, we'll send out some stickers um, and also the SCS ones as well. Your team of choice for anyone that likes and subscribes. So please make sure you go do that. Um, and then we're going to get into it here, I guess. So it's, it's funny because we, we talk about this like every week. Tyler is always a little negative Nancy about this. He's like, well, there's nothing to talk about. It's the off season. It's like, well, yeah. let's talk about Mighty Ducks. And then that never ends up coming to fruition because something always seems to happen right before we record. Um, in this case, Eric Gilbert, Eric with an A and a K, uh, decommits from Florida today on Twitter in the most like nonchalant, <laughs> like, like news dumpy, like Sunday afternoon way. Like, and this is all my fault. This is all my fault because I spent hours yesterday working on this stupid graphic for SDS about the top 10 players in the transfer portal that have signed with an SEC school. He, of course, was number one. Um, spent hours on that. And then also, not only that, like doing like like adding up all the total number of players from, from each SEC school that they've signed. And then also the average ranking of those players. And I was like, man, Dan Mullen crushing the transfer portal. He has dominated the transfer portal. Made sure to just go out on a, on a further on a limb and say that that was like the – 
the little um, caption, and then Eric Gilbert decommits from Florida, re-enters the transfer portal. So what you're saying is this is all about you. No, I'm not saying it's all about me at all. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just frustrated because I spent all that time working on that damn graphic. But it is like, and of course, also I found out right when we were sitting down to brunch, which is fun. But um, yes, yeah, so it is all about me. Eric Eric Gilbert, huge name. He, he is the number one overall like ranked, rated, whatever you want to say on 24-7 sports um, player in the transfer portal. Former five-star. He, he's also the number one tight end ever coming out of high school. Like the highest For ranked. Real? Yeah. Who is behind Crazy. Him? Well, I don't know. He's just number one. I mean, <laughs> well, first off, before we get into this, I, I think we've officially entered into portal decommit season, which is now a new season that we have to celebrate in college football. So you've got high school recruitment, high school yeah. de-recruitment, portal recruitment. Now a fourth leg of the race, portal decommitments. Uh, but this was shocking to see today. Um Hold on, hold on. The the best, the only good news, like unless you're like a Georgia fan from this, the only good news to come out of this is the pun that too much adulting, that's his name on Instagram, it's just some random follower we have, came up with, which was Portal Combat, because that was fucking great. <laughs> that was like my favorite part of the day. So I think everyone assumes that he's probably headed to Georgia, but from what I understand, might not be as easy as that. I think there's some things going on. We don't want to speculate, but yeah. it could be interesting uh, to see where he ends up. I thought it was weird the first time he committed to Florida that he tagged himself at the Dollar Tree. Did you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> well, he might have just had his location on. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, which was... Well, he didn't this time. I mean, so. like, this kid... Okay, so he... like I kind of love that because... He's a five-star player. You said he's the number one ranked tight end to ever come out. He was the state player of the year in Georgia, like the, out of everyone, right? Like in, and I don't know, we talked about this last week. I don't know how many A's are in Georgia. When I was in school, it was five A's. And that was it. Now you got like seven A's. Um, but he was, the, he was the seven A player of the year out of Marietta. I think they I could be wrong with this, but I feel like they at least played a game for a national championship. I want to say they played a game in like Vegas or some shit for like a national championship. I could, I could have been making that up. Could have been dreaming about Eric Gilbert, but like, I, the fact that this kid, that just like rolling out the red carpet for this for this kind of recruit, every school and campus he sets foot on, and he's he's tweeting from a fucking Dollar Tree. That's <laughs> just like, beautiful. I, that's, what I that's what college football. You don't get that in any other sport, but college football. You're not going to see. You better not get it in any other sport. Like you had <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. <this> is, <laughs> Um, yeah, you don't like, I don't want to see that. That sounds like a, a, a 30 for 30 waiting to happen on the, somebody that spent way too much. They're like, they gave out 68 cell phones, their cousins. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, I, I do like it from that standpoint where, and again, like Tyler said, we're not going to speculate. Um, I will say that someone reached out to me about after we made the post, cause you know, we like to keep things lighthearted and, and portal combat is hilarious. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic pun. And it's one of our one of our friends um, that's in media and, and works for um, SEC Network. He he reached out and said, you know, there's a lot of other, I, I don't know, issues in the right word. But there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't really know. Um, and and here's the thing: so it's like I, this kid is going to instantly become the focal point of social media for the next little while, I'm sure, right? And and he will be the focal. This is not a Tate Martell situation, but he will be the focal point of, well, he can't make up his mind. He can't do this. He's a 19-year-old kid, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, right. I can barely decide what to eat for fucking breakfast. This kid is trying to make, like, the correct decision on where to go to college and then, you know, what's the best place to get him 
to the pros. That being said, you brought up Georgia. I don't, I'm not sold that that's a lock to Georgia. And, and the reason why is, is Darnell Washington. Well, you ever heard of a two tight end set, Chris? Not in any game besides Madden 98 when I'm running like a split formation with Barry Sanders. Like, what? Like, why would you need two tight ends? Uh, I ever heard of Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, RIP? Actually, maybe not RIP. He did kill some people. So, anyways. Yeah, what? Uh, Power King. <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, a sleeper could possibly be – I mean, look, I don't know what, what the issues are, but sleeper could possibly be Georgia Tech because he is from the Atlanta area. I've said that since day one and I would love it. And Georgia fans, I'm not trying to like, this is not discrediting because I think most people surface level looking at this, like it would make the most sense to go to Georgia. He's from the state of Georgia. It's they're going to be a top five team until Kirby leaves. He they're, they're going, they're going to compete for a national championship next year. And he's already proven himself in the sec. I mean, he, he four touchdowns, the true freshman that that's, those are good numbers for a tight end. Um, and he's a mismatch and, and everything that we heard, we talked to Jacob Hester last year and he was saying how, this is not one of those like wait and see, like once he gets it, once he gets the weight room, like the kid's already a stud. It, it, like he just needs to get the ball to him. Um, I, I, I love that Darnell Washington kid. Cause he's six, eight. It's like LeBron James is playing football. I sure. They could run two tight end sets it, that I, I don't, I don't know if he ends up going to Georgia. I, I don't know if he ends up going to Georgia tech either, because as much as you would love, it, it's a hometown team. You don't want to go get lost in a situation where you, you don't have somebody getting you the football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, as a Florida fan, you got to be bummed because Mullen yeah. would have done wonders with that kid. I mean, Pitts was a mid-four-star prospect out of Pennsylvania, and he, he turned into a guaranteed first-round pick. You know, one of the – got, he's got to be one of the top offensive skill players to come out of Florida in a long time, if not ever. Um, and this kid is on a different level. So, got to be bummed as a Florida fan. But we'll see. You know, we wish the best. Uh, hopefully, everything's good with Eric Gilbert and it's nothing yeah. too serious. Um, but it definitely downgrades the transfer class. You know, obviously, everyone was saying between this kid and, and Demarcus Bowman, um, Florida yeah. just absolutely crushed the portal. Um, so, that obviously takes a hit. But I still feel like Florida did pretty well in the portal overall. Yeah, I mean they had three of the top six players coming into the SEC, and, and there were only there were only five four four stars or better in in, in the conference, like coming into the SEC. Um, two five stars uh, and then two four stars. I'm sorry, two five stars and three four stars. And Florida got both five stars uh, and, and at positions where they really, you know, like you know, I don't say it's like a need. I like Keon Zipper. I think he's a great player. Um, has a lot of upside, but he's not Eric Gilbert. For sure. And, and right. when you're replacing a generational talent like Kyle Pitts, yeah, yeah, it seems like a, a seamless fit. That's honestly when when this first got brought up, because everyone immediately thought he was going to go to Georgia right off the bat from LSU. I brought up Georgia Tech just as like a devil's advocate thing here. But I also brought up Florida because it's like, man, if Pitts is leaving. There's there's no better pitch to someone in this present moment, like at a position maybe in the entire country than than Dan Mullen at the tight end position right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because mm-hmm. of what he was able to do with him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be something to watch for sure. Um, it's so funny how how <laughs> just like fucking warped like college football fans and SEC fans are in general because this is a tight end. This is a, it's a sophomore tight end. Well, I guess technically a freshman with the way the eligibility rules are now. It's a freshman tight end that is transferring and everyone's like on the edge of their seat. Like this is like the biggest news of the offseason. Well, I think the biggest thing about it is in the portal, there's not – typically a ton of can't miss prospects that are transferring you know most of the guys that are transferring are leaving because they they weren't happy with playing time which probably means they're not as good as the person in front of them 
Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's interesting the way that, that teams are going to be utilizing the portal. Like Miami, for example, has used the portal unbelievably. You know, they were, they had a need at quarterback. They came in, they got Derek King who immediately yeah. made them a better play, uh, team. They've, they've had a, a couple guys on the defensive line that might go first round um, transfer in. So, uh, and then, you know, you've got elite teams that are saying, look, the elite players that do enter the portal, we're going to handpick who we want. So, you know, right. Oklahoma, for example, got three oh. players, the three best players from Tennessee, basically, <laughs> to tra- I mean, all to transfer Oklahoma, to their team. Besides Florida, I think there's not a team in the country that's done a better job this offseason than Oklahoma. I mean, they, they have yeah. crushed it. <laughs> so, no. But it's a good so, point. Yeah, yeah. Like they- Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, um, you know, it's interesting because can you take a guy that immediately fills a need or are you a team? I I can say personally, you know, Florida State has basically tried to build the floor of their roster with transfers. They're not going to get an Eric Gilbert to come there because they're they're not good. They won three games last year, but you can get it. Yeah. But then you can get guys that can come in and transfer in and have played, you know, three years, four years of starting college football. Uh, You know, we got a couple guys from South Carolina, not the best SEC team, but two productive guys that can come in. We're starters for South Carolina for Will Muschamp that will raise the floor. And then you got other teams like Oklahoma who, you know, who got Eric Gray, who was probably the top offensive player for Tennessee. Wanye Morris, who was a five-star offensive tackle out of high school, didn't really live up to the billing at Tennessee, but I can guarantee Oklahoma will get the most out of them. Yeah. And then they got Key Lawrence, who's the top recruit in, in Tennessee's 2020 class. So, you know, you've got the elite teams that are basically picking and choosing who they want. And then you got a lot of other teams that are just trying to basically fill needs with experienced players. Right. So the portal is an interesting cool. thing to follow. It is. And I think that, you know, there's, there's actually now there's several big names out there. And let's just, I, I was going to say, let's get into it, but I guess we're already into it. I don't know. Yeah, we are um, in. We are so I we, we've done like a little bit of like a like a deep dive into the transfer portal over the past couple of weeks and it started with um actually how we got on fine bomb it's the, the total players in the transfer portal. I made this graphic last week about the total players that have entered the transfer portal, and this is not this is only the total players that have entered, not returned. Because I think that the the team at the top, it was a a staggering amount. It, it was like it like an uncomfortable amount. Okay. Um, and it was actually higher. I took the number down. So it was just players that entered and didn't return because Tennessee topped that list. And we're talking about the, the total players that have entered the transfer portal um, for, for 2021. These are sec schools. And this is as of last Sunday. Okay. So it's a little bit dated, I think only because I know Kentucky had at least one guy enter. Uh, I think yesterday, obviously now you have Florida as well. Um, but Tennessee had 25. They actually had 28 total, but three of them returned. But 25, 25 total players that have left. And, and it's hard to like kind of tell the story or maybe just because I'm an idiot and I don't know how to do social media well. But like, because you want to look at it and like that number alone is, is very concerning. But then you also look at teams like, okay, Florida had eight. They also signed five. And, and, and you know, before Eric Gilbert left, two of those were, were five stars. So, um, you know, what, what's like the net gain, net loss? Uh, that's something I guess it's also interesting. But like just going through the numbers, I want to hear from you, like what stands out the most. It, it, Tennessee, 25, Mississippi State, 18, Vandy, 15, Mizzou, 12. Then you have South Carolina, Auburn, and A&M all with 11. And listen, that, that all kind of makes sense. A&M was a little bit surprising because it's those are teams that didn't have a lot of like, like I expected it from South Carolina and Auburn because of the coaching turnover, you know, mm-hmm. Mississippi State with like a first year coach. 
Then you have LSU at 10, Georgia 9, Arkansas 9, Florida Ole Miss 8, Bama 6, Kentucky 5. And, and so – and what is most intriguing about this is you're right. Like it's there's like four cycles of this now, right? And you have to pay attention to it because – so, for instance, Bama lost two composite five-stars or like former five-star inside linebackers. Um, why that's concerning is because they – on paper, they're both five-stars. Ben Davis has been there since roughly 1998. He's never played. He's one. He's like the. He's one of the top ten highest rate recruits they've ever had. But I will I think sta- that. I will stand by this. Uh, if someone is transferring out of Alabama, they are probably not that good, and they just didn't. They, they, <laughs> because seriously, because Saban gets the most out of his players, and yep. the best players are going to play. I mean, you saw uh, Will Anderson play as a true freshman on the D line at Alabama. Jesus. You know, so like, yeah. if you've been at Bama for three or four years and you're not getting a, a quote fair shake then you're probably not the best player, in my opinion. Well, I mean, and, and that's one of the only schools that I feel like is like that because Bama every single year gets the most out of their players. Um, one of the things that's interesting they to they use me, them up, Tyler. That's why they, they always get up being bust in the NFL because they're so damn worn out. And they've been on that deer pee, uh, deer <laughs> antler pee, steroids the whole time. So that's why. Hail rat. Um <laughs> We gotta get Hellright shirts. <laughs> so bad. Um, we'll probably get a cease and desist from uh, Toby Ke- or whoever. I don't know. I can't remember who sings. Hey, brother, song, I but... met Toby Keith for Peach Bowl last <laughs> year. That's the last thing we're gonna get. All we're gonna have um, is a good time. What's interesting is you know Saban actually used to catch a lot of shit because he would basically force people off the roster right. and that weren't really. What's interesting is the transfer portal is almost becoming like a legal way, like. If I'm a coach and I can't see really a way for you're basically taking up a roster spot, I don't see you playing for my squad. The nice thing for me to do now is to say, hey, look, I'm going to help you get a new spot yeah. on a new team. Yeah. We're going to enter the transfer portal. But what's interesting, like Tennessee is losing 25 players is in part what the NCAA put in to to kind of curtail like mass turnover on rosters is they said you can't bring in more than 25 players in any given year between new recruits and transfers and early enrollees and things like that. So if you lose 25 to 28 players, then it is a net negative. You'll literally have less players on your roster the next year because you can't bring in more than 25. Um, So it should be interesting. You know, if you're a school that hopefully doesn't get used to having this much turnover, it could be a big problem for you. Um, But look, I mean, um, DeMarcus Bowman, you know, if we want to just go through some of these top names, um, well, yeah, let's go ahead. I mean, Demarcus Bowman now, obviously Gilbert remains to be seen. So I guess Bowman kind of shoots to the top of the list. It's from Lakeland, which is a, a, a notorious Powerhouse. Florida pipeline. Went to Clemson yeah. out of uh, high school. I think his grandfather may have passed away. So he wanted to move closer to home. Um, I don't, I can't remember the last time that Florida had like an electric running back. Can you? An electric running back. I mean, LaMichael Piran wasn't – he wasn't electric, though. He was a good back. I don't think he was electric. I mean, um, it, Percy Harvin, like, he was kind of a running yeah, back. Yeah, but them. he wasn't even a true back. Uh, yeah, like Chris Rainey, question. maybe? Chris okay. Rainey? Yeah, Chris Rainey, um, Brandon James, I feel like. That, that like, maybe – like, like they had a couple – they had a, a stretch where they, they brought in, I feel like, a ton of five-star running backs. But – they were, they, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't remember them being like electric, electric. I mean, you look at the 90s and they had Fred Taylor, they had yeah. a lot of good backs. Man, Eric Rett was, God, that's, that's where I learned how to do the Q Dog and, and was not supposed to, apparently, because yeah. he's a six year old white kid. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like you bring up like the Lakeland thing. It's, it's almost a shock that he got out. I mean, like Lakeland, mm-hmm. like you said, Keon Zipper, I think that's, that's when they had like what the Lakeland three were like, like three of their players all went to Florida and, and mm-hmm. I think it was only three, but I mean, it's kind of a shock that he got out. The other thing is, and, and I, I meant to bring this up earlier when I brought up the, the, the Bama linebackers, like them leaving, I don't, I'm speculating here and I don't know if this is, if this is going to end up being true or not, but that seems like if you have two like very talented inside linebackers, right. Leaving what it says to me is you probably have somebody coming in and, and Henry, I can't say. Yep. I was going to let you do it. (laughs) Johnny tsunami. Um, (laughs) Henry Tunga Valoa, uh, the linebacker from Tennessee, he's coming in in his third year and he's going to be like, you know, eligible immediately. Mm -hmm. I, I, he, it was between Bama and Tennessee. It was kind of a surprise. He went to Tennessee in the first place out of high school. I think most people kind of feel like that's where he's going to end up. So that, that, that him and Eric Gilbert are the two highest profile players, I think probably in the country that haven't committed anywhere yet. Um, well, you know why that is, or at least I've heard, right. That he hasn't committed yet is because in April, the NCAA is going to finalize the guarantee. Every player gets a one transfer, no sit out. Yeah. From the rumor is, is that, Saban basically said, look, just hold off until they pass that because he's a one and done anyways. He's going into his junior year. He's going to the NFL after this year. You risk. Why are you getting inside Bama information that I'm not? What's happening right now? Dude, don't worry about me, dog. You know I got. Fucking mustache is really I got the jewels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, so, you know, it doesn't make a a ton of sense to take the risk of committing now and then saying, oh, you know, we didn't pass the rule and you got to sit out a year. So just wait, make sure it's passed. And he'll be, you know, probably an All-American for Alabama. Congratulations. You got well, another one. But looking at the list, you know, like, who jumps off the list? Like, I mean, obviously, a five-star running back is huge. And, and that it'll be yeah. interesting to see, with especially with a mobile quarterback like Emory Jones, how Mullen is able to um, – how to utilize that in his offense. Because last year is, like, the first time I've ever seen that open of an offense, of throwing the ball that much. And they've got a lot of talent to the receiver. But – I tell you what, the, maybe the best example, and this, you brought this up earlier from the transfer portal. It's being, it's really interesting how they rank these players because it, you're right. It's like either they were highly ranked out of high school and didn't fare well, or you know they were behind a couple of people, or it's a guy that's played up. And and you, I saw this a lot when I played college like baseball. It's like D two guys or like lower level D one having a good couple first years, going to play summer ball somewhere, and and you get like seen by you know a. a, a higher d1 coach and then you end up transferring there um outside linebacker jordan i can't i'm not gonna say this right either strike on um he's he's from georgia state okay uh transferring into south carolina south carolina notorious um now in the sec for their like their terrible terribly ranked recruiting class very low because you know when beamer came in one of the first things he said was like we're gonna attack the transfer portal like we're, we're, that's where we're going to go. We're going to, they brought in the most players out of any other team in the SEC. They've brought in eight, um, including this guy who's a four-star. I think he was a two-star out of high school and his play his way up to a four-star. That's impressive to me. Like that, yeah. I'm excited to see how that turns out. And the other two, and, and, you know, of course they're, they're both at the top. Um, Wandale Robinson coming from Nebraska to Kentucky. He's from Kentucky. That was a shocker to me. Yeah. Really? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I get he's from Frankfurt, so I guess he's trying to get closer to home, which a lot of these transfers this year have been because of, you know, COVID. It's just like I'd rather be closer to my my, my folks or whatever. Right. He was the number one all-purpose back coming out of high school. And he went to Nebraska, first of all, which is just That's weird. weird in itself. But um, he led Nebraska in receiving last year, and that is with splitting time at running back. Um, super physical guy, despite only being 5'9". He kind of yeah. reminds me of uh, – the uh, receiver from Purdue, Rondale Moore, the guy that yeah, is, he is that and, his name is Wandale. No, no, it's not, but it's very <laughs> okay. similar. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's funny, actually. You say I didn't even put that together. Um, but uh, it's no. like a lazy take. It's like, they, it's like, oh, it's a white receiver. It's Julian Edelman. If it's like, well, he reminds me of Rondale. It's like <laughs> no, no, because no, because Rondale Moore is a super speedy guy, lines up all over the field. Yeah. Uh, Super. I, some photos came out of Rondell Moore training for the NFL this weekend, and he looks like an absolute monster. Bro, um, he, he squatted six hundred pounds <laughs> as a freshman. So this kid uh, is a very physical player as well. This is a great pickup for for Kentucky. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, they they've done well in the portal. They really have. I, I was impressed by them a lot. I think because they looking at the numbers again. Hold on, let me pull this up because they. Yeah, they had five players uh, that they, they signed from the portal, and I believe they got two four-stars. Um, I, I know it, at least one of them was at a, a four-star at a high school because um, I looked at, like, their their average ranking as well. And, and you talk about, like, you know, because some of these players, like like you said, aren't, um, you know, super recruits or anything like that, or they were playing behind. There's a reason they're transferring, whatever. Um, I think that – why can't I bring this up? Okay. The average ranking, yeah, I think um, Kentucky had – out of any team in the SEC with multiple players signed in the, in the portal, they had the second highest um, average star, like, you know, or ranking per player uh, in the SEC. And that was behind Florida. So that, that was really impressive. The other one is, uh, <laughs> he said, this person reminds you of, of Rondale Robinson. Who does this person remind you of? Mike Jones Jr. Oh, the guy from Clemson? Yeah. He reminds me of uh, Craig Jones Jr. from. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Mike Jones, but yeah, sure. That's good too. <laughs> um, but yeah, the outside linebacker that's, and that's LSU again, going in the transfer portal and getting uh, a seemingly a, a, a good, good player and a highly ranked player. Yeah. I, there's some interesting stories out there. Like Ty Chandler going to uh, UNC. Um, yeah. You know, their two running backs last year were really, really good. I think, um, I think it's Carter was the better one. I think he's gonna be really good in the NFL. Um, yeah, and so Ty Chandler's gonna get. You know, he was highly re- recruited out of uh, high school. I think he's got a good opportunity at UNC. On the home front for me, uh, Mackenzie Milton. I'm super intrigued to see what happens there. We've been lacking leadership at the quarterback level for a long time, yeah. and and talent in general. Um, <laughs> de- <laughs> uh, devastating True. knee injury. So. He's got a lot to come back from. He's going to be – it's going to be that annoying story on college game day where everyone's oh sick and God. about him. Yeah. But he had a Alex Smith-level uh, knee injury where but he wasn't almost – Wasn't his ligament related? It wasn't just bone. Cause like, oh, yeah. Alex he almost bone. He almost lost his leg. Uh, they yeah. – yeah, so it's been a two-year full recovery. Still not 100% healthy. He's about 90% healthy is what he said. So that should be interesting as well. Um, there's – the transfer portal definitely makes things interesting. You know, we were mm-hmm. talking last week about how, you know, one of the things we like about college football that's different than the NFL is that if you're a, a shitty team, you're probably going to stay shitty because you're not going to recruit well. You can't just go pick up free agents uh, or right. draft or, you know, tank for a better draft pick. But the transfer portal can get you some decent players who may have got a bad shake at somewhere else. They're looking for a new start. 
and you could maybe recover a little bit quicker than it was, you know, eligible in the past. So, um, it's I like the portal and I don't like the portal at the same time. I'm 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 split on it, but it it should be interesting for teams like Florida State, like Kentucky, yeah. who are like, hey, look, you know, we're we're a decent team. A couple players like Wandell Robinson could put us over the top to be third in the East. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, and, and again, in South Carolina as well, bring like yeah. being able to bring in the experience and like this is something that like it's really interesting because. Like I bring up like baseball comparisons a lot because that's like what I'm most familiar with and 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 like, you know, playing like baseball. But I remember, like when I when I went to I went to Middle Tennessee State out of high school and I just hated everything about powerhouse. Campus. Well, first off, oh. fuck off because it was I was very excited to go there. It was D1, <laughs> um, but it was it was like, I mean, one I was in over my head, and then it was also like a dry campus. It was miserable. Like it was not a fun place to be. So it, then you couldn't transfer D1 to D1. So I went to Georgia College in Milledgeville and I remember getting there and, and it was like, oh God, like this is D2, but we got it and we got a new coach. And my second year, the first thing he did was like bring in all these players from Juco and you see it way more in baseball, like bringing mm-hmm. in Juco oh, yeah. players. Yeah. Um, and this is like, this is kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and it, it's going to be interesting to see players that go Juco like usually it's because of a great situation or, or something like that, or like, you know, off the field issues maybe. Um, but this is kind of replacing that. And and it's, it, I wonder how it's going to take, I wonder how it's going to play out with stuff like that, because you'd see it like Cam Newton, even like, I mean, there's like yeah. huge, huge players from the past even decade that have gone the Juco route that now wouldn't necessarily have to do that. And, right. and so I wonder how that's going to play in as well. I don't even know if I just made a point and then just started talking. Um, regardless, I think that uh, the the teams that I've, I've been most excited, if, like from the SEC, I think that's benefited the most, not in the SEC, but from the SEC, is Florida State. Like you said, yeah. the team I'm, I'm most, I would say concerned, because I'm not concerned as a Bama fan, but um, surprise is Auburn, because that, that's something that Brian Harson said off the bat that he was going to do is bring in, uh, what do you call it, um, players from the transfer portal. They've only signed one. All right, that's enough transfer portal talk. Portal combat is over. Uh, we're going to get into a different combat. It's going to be a little bit of debate, and I have a feeling we're going to ruffle some feathers here on this one. But you were talking about Wandale, Rondale, uh, more, and, hey, and how- let me let me just clear something up. To be clear, <laughs> the the comparison has nothing to do with their name. I didn't even know that until you said. <laughs> you didn't know that's his name. Just- no, 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 I just didn't. Well, first of all, you didn't know what rhyming was until that. One, I wasn't sure if it was Wandale. There's an apostrophe there, all right? So I wasn't Wandale? sure. Wandale? <laughs> Dude, okay. Imagine how much of an asshole you have to be to be like, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's not one. It's it's Wandale. But, you know, it, probably, it might be. Okay. Garantano was like, it's not Garantano, it's Garantano. Like, okay, sorry. Yeah, it's like, has anyone watched a Nebraska game to know what his his name is actually pronounced like? But anyways. Yeah, so all I right, wanted to bring so, this up. This was personal for me. Oh, God. Because oh, yeah, go ahead. Because I was watching uh, an interesting video. I get I don't, I don't know if it's Ocho Cinco has this new like media thing that he's doing, but it's yeah. him, Brandon Marshall, Cam Newton, and some random fourth guy that I have no idea who he is. Um, but they were they were debating the greatest college football player ever, and this isn't a debate. I don't think either one of these guys is the best player. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Ocho Cinco said Peter Warwick was the greatest collegiate football player ever. Brandon Marshall actually seemed to agree. Um, they both did. Yeah. Cam Newton came in and this fourth guy and said, uh, Percy Harvin. And I, I think at that point they were probably not arguing what they thought Cam they Newton, were. 
He was dressed like fucking Gwyneth Paltrow going to a book club. It was like he looked good. <laughs> but he's but always like, dressed you... that way. <laughs> I know, but it was it was just like it was, no, it wasn't like outlandish. It was like clean. Like every every fucking white girl you see that goes to brunch with a stupid hat. It, or winery. It oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my it's like it was every fall winery pick from someone named Braylon you've ever seen. But it was it it worked. So <laughs> me and my bitches up at Chateau Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Elondale. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So obviously I'm biased, clearly. I have a jersey over yeah. my right shoulder uh of Peter Warwick. He's my favorite player of all time, so I feel like I'm a little too biased for this, but yeah. Um I want to hear your opinion. You know, Percy Harvin versus Peter Warwick. Who who do you got? Okay, so one I'm bringing up my notebook. This is like <laughs> my favorite thing. This is like, like I'm such a nerd when it comes to this shit because it's like I hate, I hate, everyone has an opinion, all right? Opinions are like buttholes or, and stuff, because, eh, never mind. Not but everybody like, wants it, but some do. <laughs> <It's okay>. So, <laughs> gross. So, but like, that, okay, that should be the saying. Like, that, that should actually be the, not everybody wants a part of it, but you're going to get it regardless. Um, oh, that sounds weird. Yeah. Before, yeah, that was bad. Okay. All right. All right. So, anyway. Um, so, this was brought up last week and one of my favorite things like with like opinions is, and this is like what I hate about social media as well is my favorite thing is, is like, let's go do the research. Like, let's look, we did this last year on the podcast with Connor. It's like debates down South. And it was like one of my favorite things because arguing is great. Right. Yeah. And like sports arguing. And, and I don't mean like they do like on ESPN with like the, like the new like barbershop wave of stuff where they just like yell at each other. But I mean, like, like going in, looking at the research and numbers and trying to come up with an actual answer is, is one of my favorite things. So, one of my, my best friends in this business, Chris Doring, he wrote, or he, he was quoted on uh, SC this morning last week. He said, Tim Tebow, Danny Werfel, Steve Spurrier, all won Heisman trophies. But Percy Harvin is the greatest player to ever play football at the University of Florida. There's no doubt in my mind. And admittedly, when I was first looking at this, I was like, I don't remember Harvin. I, like, I knew Harvin was great. I don't I agree with high that. School. But okay. yeah, he was incredible. Doring played football at the University of Florida. So I'm going to take his opinion on that over years. Right. I still think T. I still think Tebow is is a better player than Harvin, but anyway. that's fair. All right, so but like, so Harvin was always like an electric player, and I don't really feel like he had all of the injury issues like in in um, in college as much like as he did like in the NFL. A fantastic football player, but you start looking at the numbers between him and Peter Work. I hated Peter Peter Work because I hated Florida State. Mm. I absolutely hated Florida State because they won every game. They like as you you've been a fan your whole life. I can't fucking imagine having to sit through in the 90s 11 like, games like a first like duke game to get yeah, 10 10 10 weeks in a row waiting till you play florida and obviously you played miami too but in the 90s miami wasn't very good like from from like the mid 90s on right like they, they were they took a yeah. break from like 93 to to 2000 i i can't imagine what it was to been like oh man like like because for me like, that, like at that age like it was fully consuming. Like all week I was excited. Like Bama's got Arkansas this week. Like hopefully we don't lose Houston nut. He's a, he's, you know, he's a, he's a go-getter out there in Fayetteville. You guys are like, man, we got a road game. Wake. Fucking Winston Salem. (laughs) Like like, That is awful. Like that is an awful thing to be a fan of. But Peter Warwick was, I'm surprised we don't talk about him more now. And, And you go look at the numbers this is this is like what you know what we spent our day doing and and i i, I was looking up 
Percy Harvin, his career numbers were actually kind of better than, than I originally even remembered. And if it's between the two, if we're just talking between these two, you, you think it's Harvin or you think it's, it's work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So here's what I'll say. And, and again, like I'm, before I give the opinion, I'll, I will back it up with, with stats here and say total yards in their career. Percy Harvin, 3,781, 32 total touchdowns, averaged 11.6 yards per touch, 11, or averaged 9.5 yards per carry uh, rushing in throughout his career. You look at his 2007-2008 um, seasons, his sophomore and junior seasons, he averaged 1,463 total yards and 13 and a half touchdowns. Um, you know, I think he only had like two or three hundred yard rushing games, but he was over 150 yards. It seemed like every single game just a fantastic player. And then you look at like the athlete, like if it's the athlete we're talking about, like strictly, I need a guy for Madden. I need a guy in space. I need a slot receiver. It's Harvin all day. It runs a four, four, one, five, 11, out of high school. You know, he benched four Oh five. He was definitely very strong. I, that is insane to me. Like yeah. I remember hearing that when he was out for one of the sec championship games against Bama. And I was like, Oh, thank God. And I saw him on the sidelines. I was like, Holy shit. Like yeah, he's he's big, huge, and mm-hmm. and he did 19 reps at 225. Um, I mean, you gotta you gotta be big when you're punching your coaches in practice. What did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> what that face? Um, so yeah, Peter Warwick. Like, if I was picking somebody to get in a fight with, I would definitely pick Peter Warwick because I, <laughs> I think I could take Peter Warwick. I don't think I could take Harvin. Um, Warwick ran a four five eight. He wasn't as fast. I don't know what he benched, but I, I can't imagine it was over his his number. Uh, oh, it wasn't four hundred. Like, no, and and so so um total yards though. He had 3705 yards, 36 touchdowns. Um 17 17.0 yards per reception throughout his career. That's astounding. Yeah. That's a ridiculous yeah. number. Here's the deal. For me, it's it's Peter Warwick between the two. And and like and I hate to say that cuz like, you know, we are like we're a cultural podcast, but we're rooted in SEC country. And, I, and I'm not trying to piss off Florida fans because I think Harbin's great. But you look at the numbers, and, and the numbers are pretty similar, right? You look at those two years and then, and then Warwick, his last two years, they're pretty similar. The biggest difference is, like, so if on average, their season, Harbin had 1,463 yards and 13 and a half touchdowns. Uh, Warwick only had 1,173 yards and 13 and a half touchdowns. That was his final two seasons but he had 46 less touches throughout the year. Yeah. Like his 1998 season, Tyler, like, I, I didn't know this either. Like we talk about Harvin being able to do it all, like return kicks and like running back and receiver and all that kind of shit. Peter Warwick, <laughs> he, had, he had, I don't know how many career, um, I know he had multiple like rushing touchdowns throughout his career, right? He had however many receiving touchdowns, like he had 32 total. Mm-hmm. He had two punt returns for touchdowns and he also had two passing touchdowns yeah in in separate years he had one one, one, was, two... one was against florida too by the way said that was it <laughs> yeah. but but look his his 1998 season so like the year the year they lost in the national championship game he had mm. 1232 Tough. yards receiving which was 20.2 yards per catch 20.2 he had 12 touchdowns, and, and this is on 61 receptions. That means one in five receptions was a touchdown, which is fucking ridiculous. And then, like I said, like the two the two punt returns and the two pass touchdowns, I, yeah, like he dominated a time 
before like like i'm not saying passing before passing was big like yeah you know back in the 90s it was all running the ball i mean ron dane won the heisman that year for running you know two thousand yards he probably had a thousand carries like you know it's about his weight (laughs) (laughs) um no and, and you know look i I think if the game had changed when Percy was in there, I mean, he had what a hundred, almost 200 rushing attempts in his career, which is crazy yeah. because he came in as a wide receiver. Um, but that wasn't even part of the game in the nineties. So I'm biased. I get it. You know, I work had almost a thousand yards receiving or uh, returning as a punter as well. So um, dude, he was, he's my all time favorite player. Uh, met him cool. when he was at Florida state. I went to a game, the first ever Bowden bowl, uh, Tommy versus Bobby got to meet uh, Peter. Get uh, that jersey back there was one that I was wearing. He signed it. Um, okay, well, let's, so, yeah. let's stop doing the fanboy thing. Like, let's go back <laughs> to actual numbers and shit. But yeah, I mean, like, you're not helping the argument. But I mean, like, two time consensus All American. I don't think Percy had one. I don't think that really matters in terms of like, like from a career standpoint. I just don't remember players like like dominating in the way Warwick did. And and, and granted. He did it in a league that was absolute shit, in my opinion. And that in that entire schedule they played was awful. Percy definitely did. He put up his numbers against better, um, against better uh, competition. But I mean, for me, and, and maybe part of it's because he was—I don't want to say overshadowed because he—he seemed like the best player on the field. But his quarterback won a Heisman. He, he also finished second in the Heisman the year year after that. And you're talking about a receiving core that he was the best receiver but you had a lot of talent and uh, like very well-known players. And then Aaron Hernandez and, and like just talent all over the field for that Florida team. Peter Warwick was doing it on his own. He had a fucking 40 year old balding quarterback. Chris the Heisman too, though. <laughs> that, is, that was such bullshit. I don't even know why they gave out the, the Heisman trophy in the late nineties and in 2000. Like, like you gave it to a, like a professional bowler in Ron Dane who like, if, like I remember this, this is like, I, this drove me crazy because I was I was a Bama fan. I was a Sean Alexander fan. I, I was convinced that he Ron Dane wasn't the best running back in his like in in college football year, let alone the best player. If you look at his numbers, you know he never gained not only a hundred yards, but his freshman through junior year, he never gained over fifty yards against Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan. Oh wow, now, I didn't know that. That's from an Athlon magazine from 1999 in my memory, so that could be wrong because it's 22 years ago. But I'm pretty sure that's right. So I, I hated Ron Dane, but like, yeah, Ron Dane, you give it this like fat built like a plumber fucking running back from Wisconsin. And then you give it to uh, I, I don't, Chris Winkie. A Wisconsin running back should never win the Heisman. That's a lot. I don't know about that. I mean, Melvin Gordon put up incredible numbers. Yeah. And so did Jonathan uh, Taylor Thomas or whatever his name is. And <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was an interesting debate. I think the, you could, I think we get recency bias, and, and Harvin is definitely yeah. an unbelievable player. I think you go either way. Obviously, I'm biased, but it's good to hear you Keep say. Saying, yeah, it's good to hear you say, Peter Warwick. So, anyways, it reminded me, though, because Peter Warwick and Percy were both guys that I feel like you'd be flipping through, you know, the the guide, and, and you'd see Florida playing and be like, I got I to gotta tune in because Harvin is yeah. can't miss, you know? Uh, who do you who would you consider like some of your most electric players that you would be scrolling through and say I got to stop on this game, yeah, and make sure that I watch Mac Jones, um, <laughs> right, electric athlete, no John doubt. Parker Wilson, John, <laughs> I mean like 
And this is, Wilson. <laughs> by the way, this is in our lifetime. So save yeah. the tweets, save the Facebook posts about Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be dropping Red Grange or Earl Campbell here. Oh my uh, God. I just, I just pray. I remember thinking about this, like this, this drives me crazy even now. And I know that like, I mean, I've disagreed. I disagree with Connor about it. And I think his brother too, but like, I, I guarantee you, I could have played professional baseball in the twenties. I'm not impressed by any professional athletes from the twenties and fucking black and white photos, red Grange, Jim Thorpe, like Jim Thorpe was an Olympian and like, like lettered in four sports. That's because there's no one else in the fucking college. He went to guys like Jim Thorpe. He was the best athlete at like, Literally, I say this all the time, but at an Ace Hardware that gave out like education, and, like, like degrees and shit. Like, I'm not impressed by any of that. And I, I thought of this one. Who is who is the receiver? Des Des Bryant. You remember how hmm. good Des Bryant looked in a in a football uniform? Oklahoma State, right? Yeah. yeah. I, like, they played. They opened in 2006, 2007 against Georgia, and I just kept thinking he was like returning a punt, and and he he was like six two six. I don't know. He's like two twenty like built like the prototypical receiver. And I just kept, I started laughing and I was like, imagine if this dude just fucking showed up in like the 1960s or 1970s to a game. And they were like, like you have pulling guards that weigh like 180 pounds. And this receiver is like, like I just, anyway, but for me, you would have been a center back then. Right. Right. So for me, it's, it's, it's funny you bring up the, the Herschel and Bo thing because Bo, I don't know why, but not as much just because, not that I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like the games. Like his I mean, we're legitimately. Games. I don't think we were born, were we? No, it was a year before I was born. Um, <laughs> okay. But like Herschel Walker, when they show throwback games, like I, I used to watch, like you know, like old games, like all the time in the offseason and and well, this offseason as well. But some of my favorite games to watch, like the Georgia South Carolina game from 1980, the Georgia Clemson game from 1980, 81, um, where like the, the South Carolina game where five guys had an angle on Boja or on, on Herschel and he just took off like that was almost more like novelty though because we'd never seen it before for me in my lifetime one of the reasons i'm not as impressed with the the harvin thing is because like noel divine like oh, Pat yeah. white like steve Sl- slayton like th- that entire backfield was in, in my opinion like not better but they're more fun to watch especially noel divine um noel divine's high school tape is the best i've ever seen it's ridiculous yeah he lived <laughs> with uh five-year-old did he really <laughs> Yeah. you know what I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> he was around at the same time <laughs> if you if you're like a, a true recruiting nerd it, you you know what i'm talking about and it's like this five-year-old kid from texas little white kid named cody something and it's to like the fat joe lean back song of his like his mixtape it's incredible it's incredible i think he ended up going like d3 um anyway the actual question Darren mcfadden uh uh yeah one of, one of my favorite players to watch in, in college Amari Cooper for me, and I'm probably it's probably a little bit biased, but like it, him and Trent were, I, I hadn't seen that kind of athlete at Bama, and I know a bit people can say, "What about Julio? Julio was not a, as good a receiver as Amari Cooper in college, like a, like he was the only good player on that offense um, at times." Tyron Matthew, even though he wasn't on offense, just the way he was yeah. able to like make plays, and and he wasn't, it's like it wasn't like he wasn't electric, like he, I don't think he ran a four three, but like the way he like was able to like on punt returns, on punt coverage. Like, everything he did was, was like, seemingly special. And then, of course, the the biggest one, Reggie Bush. I, yeah, I mean, that's the number one for me. That dude I've was never unbelievable. Seen like that. It's so yeah. much fun. I had a couple that were different from you, some that you probably hated. Cam Newton. <laughs> <laughs> 
Johnny Johnny Manziel, Mike Vick. Hmm. He was at Virginia Tech. Yes. Um, Real quick with the Mike Vick thing. One, I I totally agree on Manziel. That he was a blast yeah. to watch. Yeah. With Mike Vick, when you tuned in to watch Mike Vick, and like and I'm talking strictly in college, were you more excited to see him drop back and throw, or or drop back and scramble? I know because his his arm, especially as a lefty, like usually with lefties, it just always looks weird, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like soft toss. <laughs> he was just—I I think it was the scrambling that was ridiculous. I was so pumped yeah. as a Falcons fan when we drafted him. Um, yeah, Vince Young, um, mm-hmm. one that's a little off the radar, uh, actually. So CJ Spiller was incredible at Clemson. I had him on mine too. Yeah. Um, and then one that's a little off the radar, but uh, just unbelievable was Devin Hester. I mean, it wasn't yeah. necessarily as a receiver, but like, I swear to God, you know, every time we would punt to him or even in the NFL, it's like you punt to him and it's like, there's like a 50% chance he's going to score off of this punt. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it was ridiculous. So, and then, yeah. and then the other one was Adrian Peterson was just, he's always just been a monster. So that little head nod when he would get going, I, yeah. Know, yeah. one of my, one of my favorite athletes, that whole, like, the, like initials were AP and they called him AD all day. I'll, it's like why do they call you AD? Because I can run all day. I, f- I fucking love that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, and I'm sure we're missing some. So y'all let us know uh, who we miss out on, and we're not trying to like intentionally overlook stuff. But um, I will say some of my, and we should do a whole something on this, like some of like the most arrogant moments, because like that's that's also what it is too. Like these, like the athletes that were on the field that were just superior to everyone around them, and the ones that knew it <laughs> were like, yeah. like. Uh, I've ever read like Reggie Bush, my favorite moments in college football. They were down 28 at Arizona State, maybe they're down 21 to Arizona State in 2005. And I was watching this with Jason King, and and within like minutes in the second quarter, they scored 28 points, they come back and they're they're tied or ahead. I just remember Reggie Bush at Linda White, and they're sitting up on the bench, and, and the camera's over his shoulder. Linda White just looks like, We too dominant, we too dominant. And I was like, God, Jesus, yeah, yeah and I remember. <laughs> when when Reggie Bush was when Reggie Bush was training for the draft, I remember watching this video of how he was training because like there was a whole special about like men's fitness some shit like where they brought up the point like how do you train somebody that's already the best athlete like maybe in the world right at the time and and they the stuff he would do was like like so non traditional so there was this video where he would be running on this treadmill right and and the treadmill is like it's like a bigger longer treadmill and so he's running on the treadmill his trainer is is like, like punching him in the face like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throwing shit at him listen there's a tornado i need you to go run sprints to the tornado like so so he's like behind the treadmill and he's dropping you know those balls like you see them in tennis a lot to help with like agility where instead of like a normal ball it's got like like little raised edges on the side so it, it just like mm-hmm. bounces yes, yeah. a bunch of different ways his trainer was dropping those on the treadmill and he was having to like slow jog and then react to, to getting them. And it was, and he was doing it. It was like ridiculous. I can barely walk on the treadmill now. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on from some of our favorite electric uh, control players to, I, <laughs> I don't say the most electric moment of the week in college football. Cause it's all FCS stuff. Did you see this with um, our buddy Graham coffee? Uh, you follow him on Twitter at, at, at dog out West. If you guys remember a, a Twitter spat I got into after the Bama Georgia game, um, it is him, but him and I are the, actually cha- the championship game, the championship that, game with the Bama no, championship. No, it's a regular season <laughs> <laughs> when it didn't matter, but uh, you know, I was being an asshole and we're, we're friends. He's a great guy. I really, I really like Graham a lot, but um, so he posted this last night. And, and I hate to say this as somebody, it's like we're starting college football podcast because there's college football on right now. Eastern Washington was playing 
it has to be Idaho because it's in a fucking dome. It's Idaho, the Idaho Vandals. And Eastern Washington's kicker kicked a 22-yard field goal. Something happened, right? And like, so in this, in this, if you watch the video, but like if, if you're familiar with like the way the stadium is set up, like it's a dome, and the right behind the uprights is like a wall. Okay. So this kid hits a 22-yard field goal right down the middle. The ball hit the scoreboard after going through the uprights. The refs got confused and just looked around and just said it was no good. What? I didn't and see. They that. lost the game. You, <laughs> dude, it, it is – it's a 22-yard field goal. It, the ball goes – Do they not have dur- replay in the FCS? No, I, I don't know. It, dude, it, like I'm watching it again. It, it goes directly through the uprights, and, and both officials are just like – I have no idea how this call could have been made. I have zero idea how this call could have been made. And they called it, they called it no good. I think they lost the game. So mm. <laughs> bad officiating. What is the, what's like the worst calls that stick out to you? Not just like cultural history, but like you know, recent memory, your team, like what, what are like the, 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 what are the calls that you still, that still piss you off? Well, I mean, I, even though it, it was actually, Again, you remember the call in the Ohio State Miami 2003 Fiesta oh Bowl God. national championship? Yeah, that's one of the worst. I mean, it, it did Miami still ended up winning the game, but um, no, they didn't. What college? <laughs> what are you talking? Are you drunk? Like Ohio State definitely? Why did you just say college? <laughs> like, oh yeah, Ohio <laughs> State. They won that game and the national title. That game, that call cost Miami the national title. That's why I love it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I got confused. I was reading something and I got confused. Um, no, that one. Um, I mean, this one didn't piss me off. It's actually made me very happy and it's not in college, but the uh, call against the saints a couple years ago in the playoffs oh, with yeah. the Rams, that was one of the most egregious things I've ever seen in my life. And that was to the point where like in the NFL, okay. FCS is one thing, right? I mean, it's just like, okay. Yeah we might even have the resources to be doing replay, but when you're in the NFL in a billion dollar business and it's that egregious of a call, I mean, they changed the rule the next year to be able to review uh-huh. penalties like that, which Tyler, that's happened like twice after Bama Auburn games that Bama lost within this decade, but go on. Yes. Go off queen. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. That, that is an egregious one. Yeah, no, I mean, um, there's some smaller ones that no one cares about that piss me off, but I won't go into this. What? No, do. What? No, no, they're like regular season four state Clemson games that it's like a small clip. No, there was a there was a uh, block below the waist that like Dalvin Cook had a long run to basically seal the game against Clemson in 2016. And they called this egregious block below the waist against our fullback and um, basically ended up losing us the game. So what about you? Um, oh, the touchdown before the, the, the kick six where Nick Marshall was like running like part of his body's past the line of scrimmage. And, and the, there's like every lineman is five yards downfield. And so they don't call that to- anymore. They, they changed the rule because it was like this, like David Pollock was like, this is unfair. Like you cannot like this. You're defenseless as a defense against this. I hated that. Um, cause it, cause it was like, listen, 
kudos to Gus Malzahn because it was it wasn't in the rules yet at the time, or they weren't calling it. But like, right. I it's fuck that was like like so helpless feeling. Like it's like what are you supposed to do? <laughs> like, um, the one that stands out the most. I know everyone's gonna say Tyler Simmons. I don't the Tyler Simmons thing. I understand that I'm on the opposite side of that. The Tyler Simmons thing doesn't bother me because there were 13 minutes and 28 seconds left in the third quarter when that happened. And you had every opportunity to not make that a thing. Yeah. I, I could say as an unbiased third party, I thought, I thought the same. I was like, I Georgia fans are going to harp on this till the yep. end of time. And it's really, it obviously it would have helped, but yeah. it wasn't the determiner determiner. That's not a word. That's uh, determinant of who actually won the game. Uh, so yeah. I agree with you there. <clears throat> Wandell Moore was. You get a lot of hate. Um, a lot of hate on Twitter for that. For but well, that. I mean, it, listen, like there were Georgia should have won that game. Like I just I, I get it, and like if I've been waiting that long for championship and, and something like that, like I, I totally understand from the fan side of it. Bama fans are no better. They, they lost their shit. I even lost my shit over like the basketball game against Arkansas Wednesday. But <laughs> that. That, it's a little bigger when, moment. <laughs> yeah, it was a slightly bigger moment. Talk about an SEC regular season title. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, like there was so much time left in that game. I, I'm not saying that it, it wouldn't have been the deciding factor, but at the same time, it's like, come on. Um, for me, the the most egregious ones, like the the Auburn tour of officials last year, the shit that happened in Arkansas, I thought the Kentucky one was bad at the end of the first half where – Kentucky scored by all means. And I don't understand what this is about where as like SEC officiating or maybe just a college officiating in general, they get worse as you get closer to the goal line. And I don't understand how, maybe it's because it's like so many people in a, in a confined area, but there were some calls in the goal line last year that you're like, his whole fucking body is in the end zone. There's no way he's not in the end zone. And all the ball, all that has to happen is the ball touched the front part of the white line. There's no way um, that that Kentucky running back didn't get in. And then, you know, he doesn't, and it's like it kind of turns the whole game. But the, the Auburn-Arkansas game, where you're talking about Arkansas at the beginning of the season, I don't know if that changes the outcome or the, the course of their season. But, my God, like, you know, they just had this big win at Mississippi State. Then they go to Auburn. Felipe Franks has this incredible game. They come back. It, like Auburn missed a field goal, which never happens. And Bo Nix does that weird <laughs> spike. And then, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't. That one was tough. Um, the other ones that stand out to me, and I'm sure there's a bunch, man, because every, every like, fans of each team they, they all know, like the fifth down was obviously bad. The kick, Nebraska Missouri 97, was one of my least favorite of all time. Um, do you remember that? M- Nebraska Missouri 97. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> for all my corn husker fans out there, all my real Mizzou fans, you know. Yeah. So basically, it was Scott Frost. Was he? They threw a pass to score late in the game. It was a game winner. They ended up winning the national championship. So I mean, fucking pay this to college football every once in a while, Tyler. Right. Uh, and and the receiver fell as the ball was like dropping, and he he like he intentionally kicks the ball up in the air, and another Nebraska's receiver caught it, which is illegal. You can't do. Mm. Um, and you seem so disinterested. This is mm. <laughs> Chris. Can you complain for a couple minutes. I'm going to sit here and just pretend to pay attention. Um, I, all right, last one. The AJ Green, the AJ Green unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for for celebrating the end zone against LSU was uh, absolute horseshit. 
And I remember there was one when I was nine where Arkansas trapped a ball in the end zone with like a minute to go against Bama, like on a catch, the ball hit the ground first. And they didn't have replay, and the entire crew was suspended the next week and being very upset. I'm still mad. To be I can like, tell. It's like they don't, they don't, they don't change the outcome of the game, Tyler. No, no. You got an L for that game. <laughs> it means so right, much. I'm fucking done. <laughs> All right. Since it is the off season and I am the one out of our relationship here that bitches about not having enough content to talk about. Let's talk about a little off season content. Um, I wanted to talk about quickly about top shot. Cause this is, this is big. Uh, okay. And you asked me, you texted me, you're like, what the hell is top shot? I thought you wanted me to talk about it. That's why I left it off the Google doc. Cause I don't, I have no fucking idea how to explain no, it. I'm going to tell you what it, it is. This okay, is one of those go. things where you talk, you text me and you're like, what is it? And I go, I'm going to tell you about it on the podcast. Um, so <laughs> you top the option shot. to just inform me then, but go ahead. Guys, let me just break down what Top Shot is for you because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want to know what it is. So Top Shot is basically like buying digital basketball cards, but they're like highlights of plays. So think of it as like digital art, right? So you and I can go on YouTube. We can go watch uh, a LeBron James dunk, but I could also go buy that dunk and own that. That is my actual intellectual property that I own from now on. I buy it from the NBA. And it's basically a form of a collectible, just like a a basketball card is. Yeah. And you get it through the blockchain technology. You know, all the hipsters are doing it. Cryptocurrency, blockchain, let's go. Uh, They did 37 million in sales last Monday in a 24-hour period. I'm sorry, what? 37 million? In 24 hours. That's more than I've ever made in 24 hours. (laughs) So Mark Cuban... Mark Cuban was quoted as saying this could turn into a top three revenue source for the NBA over the next decade. It Vince doesn't Carter, make any fucking sense. <laughs> so, so Vince Carter being in Atlanta, we know that Vince Carter was on the Hawks. He basically played like five minutes a game. Didn't do much. Yeah. His final career three pointer. The video of that on Monday sold for $65,000. I don't understand. Cause you're saying it's their, like their intellectual property. It was not filmed by the person that bought it it wasn't done by the person like this is like the nerdiest fantasy football white guy shit ever because it's like all right this that dunk that somebody else did is now mine yes and barrett salee posted this the other day like on his instagram and it was like a picture of it. this is not a knock on barrett because I, I don't get what it is but he was selling like a dunk that i guess is like pretty like well known and and our buddy Rich Shinovsky, shout out to Rich. He's the one who explained to me. I thought he was talking. He's like, I just got Top Shot, and I was like, Is that? I thought it was Papa Shot. I was like, Cool, man. I'm headed up there like this weekend. Yeah, basement. In the basement. <laughs> yeah. So, but there was something selling one for like a thousand bucks, and I I just didn't get it because it's it's a highlight. Yeah. So I mean, think of it as like you didn't paint the Mona Lisa, but you could have bought it and you owned it, and I could go look at pictures of it online for free, but whoever bought it owns it's just like a collectible it's like anything else well, I, and it's not like cards where they can where they make duplicates right it's like right it's, only it's the one only one, one in the world okay, that makes sense okay. yep and so you know uh last i think it was last thursday lebron james dunk not like any huge moment in history but it just a lebron james dunk hundred twenty five thousand dollars sold just past thursday so it's interesting i'm not going to get into it uh it feels like a bubble to me but that's what Top Shot is, guys. So if you want to know more about it, go check it out. They sell them. Apparently, it's impossible to get. Um, 
because they sell them in packs like basketball cards. It's like nine dollars yeah. a pack for just common plays, but it's like nearly impossible to actually get a pack. So that's why it's so much more on resale. Um, but it's crazy, crazy, crazy. It's weird times we live in, man. Rich, Rich said he was in line to get one. This is where I was really confused because I, I thought it was again pop a shot, and he was like, "Yeah, they were only giving out ten thousand. I was fifty thousand in line," and I was like. <laughs> for papa shot um uh, follow-up question like are we gonna see like what i would like out of this is like i remember like going through like a phase where i bought like jerseys but of like the most average people imaginable steve's i've got a steve smith jersey hawks jersey well he was like an all-star i'm I'm talking about like (laughs) like like, i got the idea because i remember this guy i've never seen in a braves game who had a fucking embroidered real legit game worn type jersey that was keith lockhart and i'm like if if you have a hundred dollars like mike mordecai related to keith yeah mike that's the same there are five middle infielders from the braves jeff treadway mike mordecai keith Lock- they're all the same person they're all the same fucking person guaranteed um but like Walt are they Weiss. gonna do one of these for like i probably shouldn't say this but i'm going to since it's cultural uncensored are they gonna have like a WNBA or like a like a, a like shitty white player option of this where it's just like the fundamentals? Like, can I get a bounce pass? From Check out Mark named- Price on this free throw. <laughs> yeah, can I get a Mark Price free throw or like a a, a a pick and roll from John Stockton for like seven bucks? Well, Stockton, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, so yeah. Mark Price, not so much, but All yeah. Right. So that's top With, shot. Um, Let's uh let's let's save. Uh, we're gonna do all star list of weekend movies, but let's save that till next week. Yeah. Um, Uncensored already... moment of the week. Let's do it. Yeah. So you brought this up. I'll let you take the lead, big guy. So uh, Spencer Jones, uh, becoming a household name for the, all the wrong reasons, was apparently trying to bully a kid in the bathroom, and I felt like I was. He was at a bar in in uh, Norman, and I felt like I was watching like a '90s like kind of like Mighty Ducks movie where he's like, leave, bro, leave. Yeah. Why don't you leave with, with other words that he's using? And he ended up with a broken orbital bone because the guy that he was picking on was a, an MMA fighter. Of <laughs> and 10 years. Of 10 years. Um, and so basically, I think allegedly, like the, the guy in the jean jacket that was like looked like Macklemore was apparently instigating and i think he might have been spencer jones's brother perhaps this dude was was like like trying to get the rest of the coke up his nose while staring at himself in the in the mirror and then and then just like with like peak like like couldn't have been more vain and vapid and then just like looks back and just and starts the fight i was like you're you're the asshole of this whole thing man well you know what no one won in this because first of all no nobody won because you know why the, they were rolling around on the floor of a college <laughs> bar bathroom. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'm pretty sure that's where COVID started. Was just yeah. the floor, the disgusting floor. I mean, think about how much vomit, cocaine, alcohol, urine was on that hey, floor. Yeah, I don't know and why then, urine wasn't near the top of the list. And they're, and they're just rolling around in it, like it just. <laughs> um, so, anyways, it, this boys. Not only does Spencer Jones get his ass beat as a as a college football player in his own town, you're supposed to run that joint. But the MMA kid had a GoFundMe set up for himself to pay for his lawyer fees, and he passed the goal within 48 hours. Without so, a doubt, he's a hero. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird too because like, like you like you said this a while back about about Papa Shot basketball cards and stuff, and like. 
like times are, are so weird now because like usually we would be like, yeah, you're cheering on the athlete or whatever. But this was like very clear that he was, I don't know if he picked the fight, but he clearly thought with the way he was representing himself and talking to this person that he was the superior person because he played football and because he was an athlete. And I get why, but at the same time, like, like I, I remember saying this like a decade ago, like fighting is dangerous now because you don't know people that do MMA, like, I'm not talking about in an octagon MMA. Fucking amateur MMA fighters are yeah. insane people. Like if you're doing it, yeah. not getting paid for it, you're you're like that's a different level of fucked yeah. up. Like, I, I really know. enjoy getting my brains beat in every day. I want to have cauliflower ear, bro. <laughs> yeah, you never fuck with people with cauliflower ear. Like that should have been never. the first sign. Like, okay, this dude's got cauliflower ear. He's clearly got something that's a little different. I think Spencer Jones. I mean. He doesn't really look like a college athlete to me. It, no. It's just, but I, I really do love watching videos like that where there's one guy that clearly thinks he's superior and then instantly yeah. finds out that he's not <laughs> instantly. So the moment, the moment that that other guy, and I don't know how he was bleeding, or, but the moment he took his own blood that he wiped from his nose and put it on Spencer Jones's face before he threw a punch was the Spencer Jones should have been over. immediately run away at that point. I would have, I would have <laughs> apologized as much like for real. Like I would have gone into bitch mode immediately. But I, dude, I, I fucked up. I'm so sorry. I will buy all your drinks. I, you, you are the superior male. I'm a beta. Like, I, like if somebody wipes their own blood on your face before a punch is thrown time to fucking leave. Yes. Yes. So uh, shout out to, I guess the MMA fighter at this point, you're our uncensored, yeah. uncensored moment of the week. Um, so shout out to him and Spencer, you know, maybe it's time to take yeah, we'll a, a couple, couple weekends at the house, regroup and get ready for all the transfers that are coming in to take your job on Oklahoma. <laughs> that's so messed up. He almost <laughs> lost an eye. Well, Hey, he started it. So yes. that's what happens. All right. <laughs> well, that is college Well uncensored this week. Um, reminder, please uh, like subscribe, leave a review, five-star review uh if you do leave a five-star review and subscribe we will send you a new cultural uncensored sticker um we will not we will not uh send you anything else nothing that we found on the bathroom floor um nothing like that at all and uh we hope all of you have a fantastic week what am i missing here five star reviews and let's do this hey go subscribe on the new remember we are not on well if you're listening to this you you obviously know at this point that we are not on the sds feed anymore so uh go tell your friends about it we want to get this thing as big as possible we're already on the fine bomb show we are making moves so thanks for listening and we will see you guys next weekend